Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, maybe even the story. Okay, uh, let's go live. Okay, we're going live. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I hope this is right. Ooh. Merry works Christmas do season, everyone. <laughs> Merry works Christmas do season. <laughs> JB, Merry works Christmas do season, Tim. Have you had your works do yet, Tim? Uh, I had, I have had one, but I've got another one on Thursday. So yeah, happy Merry Christmas work season party season to you, you two as well. Let's quickly rank the who do you think has the best works do? You uh, with glitzy showbiz and all the rest of it. Uh, Phil talking about concrete, uh, or me in a uh, small regional solicitor's office. <laughs> do you know what I? Uh, the one I went to the other day was it wasn't it wasn't raucous. It wasn't nearly raucous enough. It was it was a drinks reception. I mean, it was at the top of the shard, which you know sounds amazing, and the views were incredible. And it was with all of the columnists and the editors of the Sunday Times. The Sun, nice. the, all the sports oh, wow. people. So, Jeremy Clarkson was there. Rebecca Brooks was there. Wow, but Clarkson! It, did you get anything signed for me? No, <laughs> sorry, mate. I know he's your hero, but uh, but no. It's, so that sounds really like name dropping. The reason I'm saying it is because it was just it was pinkies out and small talk. Really, but, it wasn't it wasn't a raucous Christmas party, which is what I which is what I look forward to. Cocktail chatter. Yeah, you need someone to kick off and have a fight at some point. Oh, well, <laughs> someone, someone else to be wearing their tie around their head like Rambo. Well, we had, well, we had a girl last night who approached one of our senior partners. She was a very, she's very junior, and the partner said, "I need to get the staff to turn down the air conditioning." And she goes, "Why does everything? Why, why do you refer to everyone as staff?" <laughs> Lost her temper, <laughs> and then got told by a manager to go to bed. Outstanding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, Excellent. Right, boys, uh, let's put our hands in and let's pod on three. Metaphorical hands in. Pod on three. One, two, three. Pod. Pod. Hello and welcome to the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. I'm JB, in studio, joined with Phil. Hello, Phil. Hello, JB. And of course, down the line, there is the Emperor of Empathy. It's Tim. <laughs> Hello, JB. Hello, Phil. Hello, Tim. Are you busy in the sports cabin or where are you today? Oh, yeah, I'm in the Egg Chasers TMO shipping container, obviously. <laughs> uh, but I've had a busy weekend, was in first ever visit to, to Limerick and the province of Munster. And uh, yeah, cracking time, rugby and in all other ways did, yeah. did you go for a few drinks did you stay over in, in uh, Limerick not after the game stayed over the night before so yeah there was a few we had a few Guinnesses and watched the games on Friday night and uh, but obviously kind of had to be on good behaviour a yeah. bit 
Yeah, that would be a disaster if you weren't. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've got yeah. this week's best performances. We've got what's wrong with Northampton. We've got a, a very, very large contract for Pat Lamb, some coaching news, a who am I? The JB Cup, which I'll tell you all about later. I'm intrigued uh, by the JB Cup. But mm, I am. Before we do any of that, do you have a review for us, Tim? I do, yeah. Thank you very much to everyone that's left us a review on iTunes. That's all we ask. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, take one moment of your precious time just to give us a five-star review and a little few thoughts on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Like Raskam47725, who says, um, please note, this is only ranked five stars, so it has a chance of getting retold on the pod. Well well done, it's worked. Um Normally a light-hearted, gag-filled retelling of the weekend's events, although things took a darker turn recently. As podcasters, you have a responsibility to your listeners. We want to know what Ellis Genge is up to, sure. But we also need to have confidence that you know stuff about rugby or have seen rugby before or heard of a sport called rugby. When I heard the sentence, and this is aimed at JB... Alex Good is a phenomenal rugby player. This is... I stopped. Li- I stopped listening and immediately scoured my brain for any opinions or facts that I'd saved and perhaps retold from this pod and erased them from my mind. I texted all my mates who I recommended the pod to and apologised. I now know everything you've ever said is a lie. I feel dirty and ashamed, just like how any true rugby fan feels whenever the utility back, who must not oh. be named, does that stupid little hop. Oh, I'm not <laughs> having that. I'm not having that. Uh, come on. I think Alex, that's my favourite review we've ever had. Alex Good is p- perhaps the most talented rugby player in all of England. Um, I'm not sure I'll go quite that far. Who is that? He, he's, he's a very good rugby player. Who is the most well-rounded, best rugby player most, in England? Uh, wait, most well-rounded? As in, as in, as in a skillful rugby player, if that makes sense. So, Wait, are you saying this as in... A jack of all trades, master of none, t- kind of way. Well, he is master at being an attacking fullback, in in my opinion. He's a, he's a decent attacking fullback. I think Mike Brown probably at beating men is a better attacking fullback. Mm. Jack Jack Noel and Anthony Watson's a better steppers and attacking out and out runners, but none of them probably combine the attacking running ability with the handling and the kicking and the fact that he can play all over, you know the distributing he's great but he's it's amazing. the same Brad Barrett looks phenomenal for Saracens true very, yeah, very good they, point but they look good in very different ways yes I agree with that hey one more one more uh, review from Bob Bridal says fantastic pod more impact and controversy than a Dylan Hartley swinging arm wow but with the, recent but with but with the empathy of a Jamie George offload. Oh. Gives us opportunity for lots of bants with fellow egg chasers. Cheers, gents. Always the highlight of my week. Uh, yeah, I can imagine that uh, sentiment's probably going to be quite relevant today on the pod. Yes, I yes. imagine we'll get into that in quite some detail. So, uh, yeah. Actually, before we do anything, should we just have a quick word to uh, our mates at Cornerstone? And then we can actually get well, into it. Yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think this is well worth bringing to your attention. You probably heard us mention Cornerstone before. If you haven't uh, got on board with the best razor in the market, then here's why you should. It's coming up to Christmas, and for £4, you could give a gift to someone, dead easy gift, four quid, and they will love you for it, because for just £4, you could get a free engraved aluminium precision-engineered shaft six razors so you can see what the best market uh, razor on the market does for you uh, get get yourself a gift of one for four quid get someone you don't and if you don't like it and we totally believe you will you'll be sold you'll understand why it got ranked above gillette and wilkinson sword but if you don't like it 
then Cornerstone make it that easy for you just to scrap it and all good. So £4, get involved and join us with Cornerstone. Uh, go to cornerstone.co.uk slash eggchasers. That's cornerstone.co.uk slash eggchasers or... Egg10 at checkouts. Right, well, I'm going to start with this and say this is one of my favourite weekends of rugby, maybe for about six or seven months now. It's been absolutely phenomenal. It's been brilliant. There's been some huge games, some huge storylines, some incredible performances. Yeah. Uh, Just in terms of shock shock and impact, looking down the scores, Leicester, nil. Over 60 points, Claremont-Ulster. Glasgow beating a French team at home. Uh, Not only a French team, the French champions with a host of all blacks and international players. Incredible. Yeah, and... In fact, the thing that I love about rugby is, you know, working out the puzzle, the coaching, the strategy, all that. But sometimes the storylines even exceed that. Sometimes the storylines are even better than you could write, even if you tried. <laughs> and, uh, that, and, that, and that to me was the Northampton game, which we'll talk about later. Oh, I completely agree. It's been a, it has been an absolutely brilliant weekend. And uh, yeah. It, it, there's been surprises, there's been shocks, there's been things to get you angry, things to make you stand on your feet and cheer. <laughs> Cracking weekend. Now, why don't we start with the Munster game? Because I think the Munster performance was absolutely phenomenal. And, more importantly, you were there. So how was, how was the game, Tim? Toman Park is an absolute must for any rugby fan to go and watch a game there. It was amazing to be there. I've, I've, it is such a brilliant place. It's right up there with... I mean, I went to Ravenhill and I love that. Mm. The I'll tell you what it is about uh, Toma Park. The noise that that crowd generates is, is, is amazing. And I think that's quite impressive when you consider Munster were out of sight and absolutely spanking them, that they kept the noise and intensity of the fans up the whole... Quite often when one team's hammering another, even the home side, it just goes a little bit quiet and feels yeah. a bit dead. And also, this, I've never heard a silence so silent. I, I remember, Phil, when we went to Welford Road for Ulster Leicester yeah. season or two, a couple of seasons ago, and w- we noticed that a proper rugby crowd observed the respect to the kicker impeccably and Munster again. You could have heard a pin drop and it almost made the louder moments louder. Can I also mention one other thing? My favourite part of the whole experience was seeing and i put a picture on twitter but it doesn't do it justice there was a choir who were there singing the stand up and fight <laughs> oh, song I love kick song. Off. yeah and one of one of the one of the members of the choir they all had christmas hats on one of the members of the choir was a brilliant father christmas well, father christmas was right there big beard and all the rest of it he had the angriest eyes <laughs> the most intense face singing stand up and fight um, give them hell. It was just, it cracked me up seeing that. I loved it. <laughs> the, 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 the the whole seasonal goodwill thrown out the window for a Father Christmas with red, angry eyes. Uh, well, it, it's weird to me because I thought Munster were kind of on a bit of a slide, maybe a little bit of a rebuild. I even think, I even look at Mick Foley's, Mick Foley, sorry, um, uh, Axel Foley's um, <laughs> comments. Mick, Mick Foley, Foley. brilliant. Um, at the start of the group stage, which is, if you can't see the weak, if you can't see the weak team in the pool, maybe you are the weak team. And last year they were a weak team. This year yeah. they seem unstoppable. It, 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 it's almost like they have been 
probably since the tragic events, they've been galvanised as a unit. As but a it team surely can't be then. that. I mean, it, it well, it's not. It can't be no, that. No, I, th- I think it can be because it's. It isn't just that it motivates you on a match day. It's that. I mean, look at Leicester. Look at Northampton. Look at the teams that have been struggling. Sale, and you and you, when cracks appear. And when things don't all seem ducks in a line, and Northampton are the most obvious case of this at the moment, it's actually the fact that Monday to Monday to Sunday, the whole week, every training session, the, every, that togetherness will get a much much better result. Than, I do, I it's not know. just it's not just on the Saturday and the motivation to play. It's it's what effect it has day to day in training and everything. That togetherness. Yeah, mm. well, I, I think well. I think it's probably got more to do with you know less injuries and that kind of thing. But yeah, you know, I I do take the point that uh, there might be a little bit more of a squad unity. But again, I think that answer to it is a little bit too simplistic. Yeah, uh, perhaps it is, but it has it's correlated because it has correlated almost perfectly with it. I mean, the the upturn in performance is directly after the the tragic events. Mm. Um, so whether it is just co- whether it's correlation or causation, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. But it, it certainly you saw. I mean, the the Glasgow game, Munster at home against Glasgow, the first game after the the events, um, it was just an unbelievable spirited performance. Well, but they seem to have continued that. Yeah. Well, do you know, I'd kind of go the other way, and I would say they are feeding off the success of the Ireland team. In fact, Irish rugby in general has just got a real feel good feel feel good feeling about it um you contrast that with the english teams it feels like the england team they almost have a hangover coming back from international duty whereas the island team they're just ready to kick on and you know it's giving them a lift but yeah that's that's doing monster a bit of a disservice they're what uh six wins from six and they're top of the pro 12 as well so even without their internationals they? they're yeah mm. and, and a lot of guys that have been overlooked over the years for Ireland guys like Billy Holland in the second row aged what 29 30 made his first cap in the autumn so um here's one interesting thing guess what the odds guess what the odds are who the the favorites are Champions Cup winners odds that the bookies are are giving right now oh um Saracens yeah Saracens Saracens are basically well they're nine to four so it's pretty much two to one almost yeah then it's who do you reckon Clermont, yeah, yeah Clermont. Clermont five to one, which is quite a big jump from so. It is. Saracens are the massive, massive favourites. Uh, then it's Wasps at eleven to two. Then it's Leinster, just fractionally behind that, seven to one. And then tw- I've got to tell you, twelve to one Munster. I, I might chuck a tenner on that because they're probably going to get a home quarter final. Yeah, that's not a bad shout. It's, it's not. A bad it's shout. really not. And you know, just to show you how good they are. Actually, is this actually how good they are? Because what, where I'm going with this is Glasgow are a fine team. We saw that against Tigers and uh, against Racing. But Glasgow have lost to Manchester twice now, both in the Pro 12 and, and in Europe. And when they lost to them in Europe, they got hammered. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm a bit worried about this Manchester team. I think they're coming good. And I tell you what, if the Lions scrum half isn't Conor Murray, <laughs> I, I just don't... I, well, God knows who. Yeah, I mean that that was the the game, wasn't it? Everyone's been talking after the Ultimate Internationals, Conor Murray versus Ben Youngs. It was and pretty one sided. On, on, on <laughs> that evidence alone, give it Conor Murray. Well, here's the thing: I talk about Ben Youngs all the time, about how he is very good one day, 
and yeah. then completely yeah. awful the next. Yep. Now, it's almost like Dylan Hartley, which is, he's ace for England. Yeah. Ben Youngs is brilliant for England. He's far better than I gave him credit for. If you listen to the old Green and Gold podcast, both of us are mocking yeah. Um, yeah. Matt and Hugh because we think that he's fairly inconsistent. And then he comes back into Leicester and he looks exactly like Ben Youngs looks. In fact, Harrison was a far better option. Far, yeah, far better he option. played well when he came on. Mm. Um, just, I'm, I'm just going to temper Munster slightly. Uh the, their two performances have been outstanding, truly outstanding in the Champions Cup. They have only played two games, though. They've only played two home games because they had their missed away game uh, in Paris. Mm. So they have to travel to Glasgow, to Leicester, and to to Wrestling. Am I right in thinking that Wrestling are, are winless now in pool stages? They are. They played two, lost two. They, yeah, they went, all over. Yeah. Anyone that's lost, anyone that's lost two games in most pools is is gone. Yeah, mm, gone. Yeah, I can't. Well, I think Tigers is gone. Uh, well, yeah, we, don't, we don't know about wrestling because they do have that game in hand, and it is against Munster. Yeah. Uh, so what? We're looking at probably but, Glasgow and Munster, the two most m- most likely at the moment. Most likely, yeah, 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 definitely. But it's really amazing. It might because it's such a tough tough group. You you're probably only going to get one coming out of that group. Let, let's let's stick with the Irish provinces and. You're well, well, soft him. Oh, sorry, go on. Just go before back, you do, I want to know what it was like to interview Cockers just afterwards. <laughs> How was he? You're still alive, uh, Tim. Um, um, uh, yeah, I'm still alive. Um, he, he looked defeated. Well, do you know what? Because in both of their European hammerings away from home, I've been the reporter. Yeah. So Glasgow <laughs> away, opening match yeah, of the tournament were. this season, 42... 13 or whatever it was uh yeah i interviewed him then and he looked he's every single time and i've already talked i think it was on the last one of the last podcasts i said i spoke how much i think he's brilliant just Mm -hmm. a great communicator great person to interview um but he looked really angry in the glasgow game after this monster game i just sensed a guy who he just looked kind of it wasn't anger it was just pure he just looked in pain but in a really sad kind of deflated way so he's in a, but, I think he's in a real tricky situation now because he can before the appointment of Aaron Major he can legitimately say I've, I was an interim you've given me the staff and now when I bring in my own people things will you know things should improve and all the rest of it well he's got Aaron Major in now and I mm. don't see them being this great attacking force that they claim to be or claim to even be trying to be and yeah. I wonder if that is the thing which will make him fall on his sword, the, the, Aaron Ma- the vaunted Aaron Major attack, which only works against lower half premiership teams. Yeah, but again, I would say you talked about Ben Youngs being inconsistent and people have been people talk about Freddie Burns in the, in the same way. And, yeah. oh my word, what on earth was Freddie Burns doing in his own 22, trying to do a little chip over the top and just get, oh, just gave... He had a shocking game as well. So. Yeah, but it, it was... So there was inconsistencies, but it was also some of the some of the defence. People just falling off tackles. It, it looked like they were almost yeah. not, not committed. Defence has to be their number one priority. Yeah, because Glasgow it was shambolic. It was even worse than Munster. In yeah. fact, it was significantly worse. Yeah, well, they conceded eighty points in those two away games. Yeah, it's that is nowhere near good enough. And they don't have a defence coach. They got rid of Scott Hansen. Yeah, they. I think I'm right in saying that. 
Major is doing both attack and defence. There is a reason that you have a coach doing each of these things, and maybe they should go out and go out and get one. Yeah, boys, we've got so much to talk yeah, about with you right, right, because right. there's the Lions coaches as well. That didn't even pop up in your uh, running order, did it? Oh yeah, at the start of the show. <laughs> uh, yes, it did. Co- coaching news under Pat Lau. Oh yes, of as a little side okay. note. <laughs> ah, nice. Yes, gotcha. Uh, Ulster, Ulster, go on. That was Go a Philip. Oh, what a performance. I mean, the big games, and this is a huge game, one of the best teams in Europe in Claremont have been phenomenal in yep. the top 14 this season. They are monstrous up front. They've got real pace and real attacking ability in the back. And in those big games, you need your best players to stand up and be counted. And that's exactly what happened. Jackson... Pinar, Luke Marshall, Tommy Bow, Piatau, Hendo. What's his name starts as well? Uh, my favourite player. Uh, McC- one, McCloskey. McCloskey. Mc- yeah. How was he? He was good. Carrying very, very hard. I love that but guy. Th- those big international players were all exceptional. Um, and it's really pleasing to see something that we've struggled, Ulster struggled a little bit uh, throughout this season, actually scoring tries. And they scored some tremendous tries. I mean, Luke Marshall's, well, first and second try were brilliant. Both for Henderson's try and Piatau try himself, they were just brilliant. Good to see Bo back, particularly for a Lions year. <laughs> I do <laughs> wonder if this is one Lions too far, but... Well, I mean, if he plays as well as I've been led to believe he has, why not? It's a possible... He's, he's a... He'd be a big outside bet. You, is he going to get back in the Ireland squad? That's the first thing. That's the first step, isn't it? Yeah, that that is the first step. I'm not sure to be honest, because um, Zebo is playing tremendously well, and Schmidt really likes Trimble because he's very, very solid. Mm. But so is Bo. I mean, that is Bo. He is solid. Yeah. Right, guys. Is it getting easier to become a? A, a, a world-class second row. In my opinion, because of, yeah. Because <laughs> of all the positions on the rugby field, it just feels like the second row is the most stacked wherever you look, yes. whatever whatever <laughs> country. I will tell you why it is. It's because the key ingredient to being a great second row isn't being able to perform a double miss pass followed by a spiral kick. It's being able to be big, okay, well, the gene pool kind of shrinks quite a lot of that, but also working hard. If you're prepared to work hard and you've got you know, some good athletic ability, you will do well. And that's basically what a world-class second row does. They run around and they hit lots of rucks. Yeah, I, I would agree And then, with and then that. when you can sprinkle a few... Sorry, Phil, to... Uh, yeah, go well, one thing I should point out is when I'm down the line, there is a slight delay, so sometimes it just sounds like I just talk all over Phil. But I really don't mean to. Uh, go ahead, Phil. Um, no, no, you, you go, Tim. That's absolutely fine. Uh I was going to say, yeah, when you just take those raw attributes, which, like you say, takes out most human beings, yeah. <laughs> and then sprinkle a few little skills on top, like the jackling ability of Maru Itoji or, or extreme strength of him or the handling skills of Hendo for yeah. Ulster, then suddenly they look incredible. Yeah, yes, exactly right. That is a very good point, actually. It's, it's that, just that little bit extra, because you can you can be big, you can do the hard work, but then it's having that extra kind of 10% that sets them apart. And I'll tell you a lock performance that really, really impressed me this weekend. Go on. You know who I'm going to say, Tim? Well, Hendo, surely. Hendo was one of them uh, yeah. in the Ulster game. He was he was playing with six on his back, though. Um, lock that really impressed me was Johnny Gray. 
Johnny Gray had six on his back. Uh, no, Hendo had six on his back. Oh, oh right, yeah, of course sorry, he did. Sorry, Johnny Gray, uh, Glasgow against Racing, which was an unbelievable performance. But Johnny Gray, he made the most carries and the most tackles. Nineteen tackles without missing a single one against oh. a hell of a oh, Racing yeah. team. Now he was on some stat, wasn't he, for the international? Like forty-eight consecutive completed tackles or something. I think it was. I more think it was than way that. more than that. Yeah. It's huge. His his work rate. Every single week is exceptional, and he's he virtually never misses a tackle. His tackle completion rate is astronomical. Do you reckon when the Lions are picked, it's going to be a case of him or his brother? Uh, him, <laughs> hands down. Yeah, it's, it's not going to be. It's not. It's not a debate. It's just uh, him, and do, if they also have space, then his brother as well. But do you reckon that Johnny's significantly better than Richie, who is currently in France, uh, being the engine room in Toulouse? I think so, yeah. From what, from, yeah. What, from what I've seen, yes. And when, when you see them both playing for Scotland, it's always Johnny that, that catches my eye a bit more. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Um, what, 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 what? Oh, sorry, Phil. You sound like you were going to go into something else. Huh? Well, it's just that that overall performance by Glasgow. It's singling out Johnny Gray there as a lock, but the overall team was really, really impressive. Particularly Finn Russell. Who was against uh, arguably the greatest uh, fly half of all time, or certainly one of the top two greatest fly halves of all time? And Finn Russell really controlled the game incredibly well. Really stood out. Very, very mm. intelligent and lovely sight of hand at times. Um, great decision making. <laughs> very highly impressive performance from from the Warriors. Uh, do you know what the, kind of the interesting aspect of this is to me? is looking at all the different national teams now. Like, there is one impression you get from the end of the autumns, which is England are in a great shape. Then yep. a week later, after the um, after the round of European games... Oh, hang on, what on earth is that? There we go. Um, a week later, after the European games, it doesn't feel quite so rosy, just because the players have, an, players have, a, have an, an underperformed. Well, I'll tell you one thing that's bad for the England team and good for everyone else. England had the last test match, so they played outside the international window last weekend, didn't they? Yeah. So all of the England players coming back, I mean, some some England players didn't play. Like, I know Chris Robshaw, obviously, Harley Quinn's been playing, but Chris Robshaw is currently in New York. Is he? Yeah, looking at his uh, Twitter feed and, and Instagram feed. Oh, lad. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there was players, players who did play, but off the back of a tough international game, players who were dropped to the bench, players who were rested altogether. So England did have it tougher because of that brutal scheduling, which seems... I understand England, they need to get the toughest games, uh, but how much extra did they get from having five games rather than four games? Yeah. And you you, you ignore the Fiji or the, the Argentina game. Maybe they have the easiest game or the tier... Yeah, maybe that would be a way to do it. Have your last game... As the easiest game. The fourth game. game, so like the tier two as the fourth one? Yeah, final one. Yeah. Oh, God, that just feels ugly. You want to build up to something. So, no, I'm, I'm not a fan of that. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, but I see what you're saying. But but based on what Phil was saying, I think it's a good time to to bring up, you know, and, and goodness knows you're, you're, we should we should all be happy to ridicule each other when it's necessary. And I know that you do uh, and you will do to me when it, when it happens. But there's a phrase that JB has used many times down the years that... 
that now that is looking <laughs> look, looking a bit foolish after this weekend. Go the on. phrase hobby league. Well, okay. Well, no, no, that is absolutely correct. <laughs> to I describe the Pro Twelve, it is a hobby, hobby league. league. It's pathetic. Um, <laughs> no, no, the league is. If anyone thinks the Pro Twelve is a good competition, you're mad. Are the teams good in the Pro Twelve? That's a different question altogether. Um, no, the Pro Twelve teams as proven this week, are very good. There's no knocking, and particularly the Irish provinces. Irish rugby, um, overall, has just got its house, its house in order. The Pro 12, though, is not a good league. So hear me now, believe me later, it's still rubbish. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it will remain rubbish until they do something drastic with it. Okay, so what you're saying is the teams are good, or certainly the top half of the teams are good. Yeah, I mean... All, every Irish province, including Connacht, looked very good. I mean, Connacht lost today, but they lost with some seriously, seriously impressive skills. You can't, you can't try and pretend like that's been the precise position you've always <laughs> adopted. Well, last year, I think I would have said, I think I would have said, when no Pro, t- Pro 12 teams qualified for the knockout stages... I think I would have said it is the fault of the Pro 12 structure for not giving them competitive rugby week in, week out. Yeah. This year, I don't know what I'm going to say. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I will have an excuse by next week. Good. Well, on that one, Phil, you, uh, we've been tallying, much like Europe versus the USA in a Ryder Cup competition, we've been, we thought it might be interesting to tally the Pro 12 and Premiership matchups just to see on a high, highest club stage how they fare directly against each other in individual matchups. So in the Champions Cup, we've had eight fixtures in the three rounds, and it's currently Pro 12, 5, Aviva 3. And it is worth saying that uh, in terms of points difference, the Pro 12 are currently uh, 10 points ahead of the Aviva, as in points in the game. They've scored 221 points compared to 210. However... What would that be like if you took Leicester out of it? Well... Leicester are a very good team, so I didn't want to take that out of it. What I wanted to do was take yeah. out the Zebra Wasps game, the fourteen eighty-two oh. or eighty-two fourteen performance. So that puts uh, puts the Pro Twelve eighty points clear when you're counting. What like... would it be? What would it be if you took out the Italian teams altogether? Because uh, that is that's it. Cause that... That's the only yeah. game because uh, yeah. it's the Champions okay. Cup, isn't it? Yeah, of uh, course. Yeah. So, yeah, oh, on that basis, ben- on, on, on every basis, the Pro 12 is looking in rude health and probably... No, no, highlights. no, 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 it's not. No, it's not. Some of the teams from the Pro 12 look rather good in Europe. The Pro 12 itself is not in rude health. <laughs> Do not be mistaken. Okay. Well, N- Nuance, right. Tim. It's, 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 it's just a bit... Just right, a... you are. I'll, I'll take that nuance. Um, but I guess what it probably highlights is the the impact of a World Cup on countries where there are only four or two professional no, outfits. No, I think what it highlights is excellent planning and excellent academy systems in Ireland. I think that's probably what it does more. And to be fair, um, Glasgow have done a, a, a marvellous job too. Glasgow have done an excellent job. Very, so, very impressed with Glasgow every so, time. I yeah, I mean, look, there's some really, really good things happening in, in those teams. That, that, that can't be denied. <laughs> There's so much rugby to talk about. There's so many other stories to talk about. Where do you want to go next? Well, we've just been very positive, which makes me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> why don't we talk about Northampton Saints? Okay, um, bef- before we... Uh, yes, yes, go, yeah, good one. Um, good one. I was going to say, before we go into this, um, this might actually be a perfect time 
for a very quick game of Who Am I? We could do okay. another one that Phil's prepared a little bit later in the pod, but this will just take a moment, okay. a little interlude. So Who Am I? Phil and JB, uh, shout out your name when you want to have a guess. But if you come in too early and guess wrong, the other person can hear the rest until they're comfortable, all right? Yeah, okay. Who Am I? I am a current professional rugby union player. I have played 65 times for my country, scoring Ooh. five tries in that time. I've played in a World Cup final. In fact, I performed admirably in the 2011 World Cup final, despite being on the losing side. More recently, I've been known for another talent that I've demonstrated alongside my rugby career, my incredible acting skills. Uh, Pape, uh, no, what's his name? Pascal Pape? Oh, no. God damn it, what's his name? Second reel. Have you not just said it? It, it, Is it Pascal Pape? Or whatever his name is? Yes, JB, it's Pascal Pape. Oh, (laughs) I thought I I butchered that. (laughs) You you kind of did. uh, Well, there we go, I win. Well done. How do you like me now? I have no doubt that in our discussion of the more negative sides of the weekend, uh, this will probably come up. But yes, let's go to Northampton. Okay, so where do you start? Um, Let's start with Dylan, shall we? Uh, Yeah. Now, go back and listen to some other podcasts, and you'll hear me saying very nice things about Hartley. Not even nice things, actually, just reasonable things, like I thought Lancaster was too harsh on him, he should never have missed the World Cup, and you two boys disagreed. Um, in fact, you disagreed quite quite strongly, and from some point of view, you would say fairly reasonably. My, uh... my position was... I, I, I understood where Lancaster was coming from and I probably would have done the same because I saw him as too much of a liability yeah. to ha- to have it in my England team. Now, since he's been captain for England, there's no argument. There's, there can't be any question about it. He's been quite brilliant. He's been a brilliant captain. Uh, this run of yeah. um, results proves that. But he does have his demons. And I think one of his demons is he's just got... I, I don't know, when something goes wrong with him or when he's not into it, just stupid stuff happens and as far as I'm concerned uh, he's just shown Northampton zero respect he's let down his teammates um, he's let down his club I mean Jim Mallander who has stuck by him through thick and thin must be furious because uh, when Jim Mallander has been in a very very safe steady position he has looked after Hartley when Hartley has been an absolute moron and other directors of rugby would have just cut and run now Mallander needs a bit of a favour, and he turns to turns to who used to be his club captain, and to do that, I just think is it, it's it's quite outrageous. Uh, if I was Northampton, I think I'd free up the cal- the, the salary cap space, send him on. Um, and but the chat about moving him on from England, I think, is an absolute nonsense. He has he hasn't done yeah. anything to make me think he shouldn't be considered for the Lions or for England or anything like that. But in terms of Northampton and his club, he's he's got to move on. I think. I would go with most of that, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think you're spot on there. Uh, I mean, what, what what was he thinking? What was he thinking? I just don't know. Because it, it's so it was a high shot. Yeah, but it was it's so Tim, you had a lot of uh, debate on Twitter about this about the intent of the high shot, or was was there intent on the high shot? No, I, I don't think we can confirm whether there was the intent for the high shot. But there was, in my mind, intent to cause harm, and it was it was an intent to do 
a stupid thing. Yeah. It was a swinging arm. It was a swinging arm. Let's just take the high shot out of it. Yeah. What sh- he was trying to do was stupid. Was was hurt Sean O'Brien. Yeah. Through a swinging arm. It's like speeding and, no- and nothing bad happens, okay? It's still illegal. If you're speeding and then, you know, you fly off the road, um, I don't know, and do, and do something tragic, well... That, well, that, that there's been reckless. You, you've made that situation for yourself. And that's exa- exactly what he's done. He was involved in trying to do something stupid and the worst possible out- outcome occurred. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, he's, he's an idiot. I, I, I generally agree. I think that I, I loved Lawrence Delalio. He's absolutely right. On BT right. Sport after the game. He was brilliant. Uh, you could see he had real, he was, he had, genuine feeling in his eyes he was he was angry disappointed he was imagining yeah. himself in that situation because as he said I've been England captain and then come back to your club and you've you've got to show up um I'm not I'm not I'm not saying it was clearly a red card um clearly a stupid thing to do yeah uh, I I don't believe there was intent to hit hit to cause a headshot he's an absolute genius if there was he did intend to to hit Sean O'Brien hard. I do think and this doesn't this isn't me condoning the action, but I do think that exact action happens fifty times in every game. Exactly the same as the clearing out of the ruck. Um, exactly the same yeah, yeah exactly, exactly the same, same thing. as cl- exactly clearing same out thing. of a ruck. I, I mean a lot a lot of people could argue what was the difference between Dylan Hartley and Manu Tuolangi and I don't think Manu Tuolangi deserved a yellow card. I thought that was ridiculous. Curtly Beale. Oh my oh. goodness me. What is what I'm genuinely sorry. No, actually, let me keep on point because I could. I, <laughs> well, I'm we'll genuinely yeah. concerned about 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 how rugby's being officiated. This letter of the law, box box well, ticking. We'll circle round to that in um, in a bit. Yeah, then. yeah. yeah. But, but on but on the subject of Dylan Hartley, I don't believe he intended to. Um, it was stupid. But the one thing that disappoint disappoints me, and again, I, I'm I think I might just have to stop to start coming off Twitter when things like this happen because. There's a well, Tim. You banned I would describe me. You, them as not proper. I mean, you banned me I, I, from our Twitter when things like this happened. <laughs> well, JB, I, I don't think I ever say things. I, I don't think I ever <laughs> mention like lynching referees. Yeah, but that was a reasonable like point. What, what he did was, <laughs> uh, if he got lynched, he, he would have been let off. Uh, he would have been let off lightly. You are generally far more diplomatic, Tim, <laughs> than JB the, um, used to be. Phrases like. Uh, thug and ban him forever and the, that's it he sh- he should be he shouldn't play for england shouldn't play for the yeah, lions nonsense. it's ju- that's just nonsense. utter nonsense and I, my opinion is if you honestly write that or think that that you think dylan hartley's a thug and and that's it ban him for ban him forever and then i don't believe you're a proper rug- rugby person i might upset some people listening uh, by saying that but that's what i feel and i i, I feel in a lot of ways, it just there's massive hyperbole and it goes over the top. You're... That's not that's not remotely saying it wasn't a stupid thing to do, which it was. And he has let his club down. He's he has been club captain. He's the England captain returning to his club where they've had red cards in recent games, and they just need a few cool, calm heads. Yeah. And he should have been one of them. And do you know what the worst part is? That was after maybe 20 minutes of the best rugby Northampton have played all season. They let in an early try, and that second hot. The second half of the second half, or as other people call it, the second quarter, um, <laughs> that was hold on, second half. Second half of the first, first half. half. Yeah, yeah. Um, they were really quite good. They, you know, they they um, stemmed most of 
north uh, of Lancer's attack, and they were coming back into it. And then you bring on the cavalry. Uh, it's, it's just oh, it's awful. It's awful. But I'll tell you something else as well, and this is very telling. People in the media, pundits, are usually very. They're not. They're usually quite balanced. They're far more balanced than say, you know, a blogger or podcasters like us. Because in reality, they are going to have to meet the meet a lot meet a lot of these players, and in some cases, they're even friends. So for Delalio to come out so strongly against Hartley is telling, and the other one as well is Austin. I, th- I think that's the job of a journalist or a pundit. Like, yeah, no, I, I no, think but if you're, if you're a pu- yeah, no, I know, I know it does happen, but you I know, think you've got to. If, if you're ever a pundit and you don't speak honestly and speak your mind, you shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. No, but I do think that the, that the more balanced because it's very easy to say, for instance, James Haskell's an absolute knob when there's no chance of meeting James Haskell. Uh, actually, you know, you've got to be, yeah. you've got to be very fair. And when you do say something, you're going to have to back, back it up. Yeah. And yeah. I think for Delilah to speak like that, and for Austin Healy, he, this is not the first time he's mentioned this. He said before the autumns, Dylan Hartley's not played a single game for his club or one game for his club, and the fact, uh, and the reason is because he's not interested in in, in Northampton. It, it's it's absolutely shocking if that's true. It's absolutely shocking. Did you hear something else that Austin Healy said? No. So in the, this was before the Munster game when you, you were there, Tim. Uh, I've got a little clip here. It, it made me laugh. I'll just see if I can play it now. Oh, I, 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 I was listening to this. I had my earpiece <laughs> in. I think I heard what you were going to play. Yeah, I, had a, I, I remember. Let's hope this works. Completely stupid or idiotic. <laughs> wow. So that's one thing, Austin. Yeah, it's, it's definitely one thing. <laughs> or it's a, he's, got young, he's got a young family, or it's a man completely committed to having family time at Christmas. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> but hey, listen, it, uh, the, the river runs deeper than just Dylan Hartley at Northampton. Yes. This, is, this is symptomatic. And I, and I scribbled down a, a few things, tried to get all the evidence together because it's not a happy camp. So how about this? In in the wake uh, before the match, oh no, sorry, in the wake of the game, I think, or is it before the match? Anyway, Dorian West said there's a there's a massive buzz around this squad. Tom Wood post game said before the game, I don't know why, but the team were flat during the game. The team were flat; they couldn't get up for a big European match against Leinster. They they've sacked their attack coach, but they have yet to hire another attack coach. Thank God he's gone, eh? <laughs> yeah. Um, They've had three experienced international players banned in four games. Yeah, Kieran. And then actually, when you look into the George North situation, now I know a lot has been written and said about this, they appear to be completely chasing their tails and not have a coherent story for what happened. Well, because they don't and have a, co- very, a coherent story. Unfortunately, they... unfortunately, the results of the hearing from the Premier Rugby Premiership Rugby were meant to come out on Thursday. Then it was meant to come out on th- Friday. Now they've said early this coming week, so we can't talk about this. But will they throw the book at them? I think they might, because I think there's some serious negligence happened here. They said yeah. George North had been knocked out and cleared to play after reviewing the footage and HIA initially. And in the wake of all the controversy, they then changed their story and said that the medical team didn't have access to all the necessary footage and, oh. and accepted he may have been concussed. That is two completely different stories. That club is seems rudderless at the minute. So weird because they're, they're actually such a stable club in so many ways. They're profitable. They've got a good chairman. For a long time, they've had a very, very good director of rugby. And I have no reason to believe the director of rugby is anything but a good director of rugby still. 
You know, you don't become bad in one season. I, you know, that's that's fairly safe, safe, um, safe to say. But you are right. They, they are. You know, there's so many different events that the, it's making them look a little bit stupid. And I'll tell you the one which I thought was really odd. Dylan Hartley goes off. He gets a red card. And, you know, sometimes, like, you see it with children, like, they get so upset about something that they almost try and, like, damage themselves or hurt themselves by having a bigger tantrum or, you know, uh, or some ex-psycho girlfriend will try and, um, you know, do something to harm <laughs> herself, to up the stakes even more. Look what you've done now. You've made me do this. <laughs> yeah, you've made me do this. So Dylan gets Dylan gets a red card. You, see, you sound like you've been there, JB. I was there with you in your past <laughs> relationship. <laughs> <laughs> he gets a red card. And Malander goes... You've made me do this and takes off Tom Wood, the that, best player on the field. That was the most bizarre decision. Best player and a, a leader. The yeah. Ca- the captain. Get the cavalry off the field now. I did not understand that one bit. Uh, and you could lip you could lip read Tom Wood as well. Yeah. He said, yeah, he's I shaking think he his said, head. What the F is going on? Yeah. That was so... Because he was superb. He's le- actually leading that team, which is something that Dylan should have been doing when he when he came on. Uh, as one of the senior players. Uh, yeah, really, really odd that was. Yeah. Uh, I know it might only seem a small thing, but the the Dorian West versus Tom Wood account of how the team were before the game, I, I know it's only a very small thing, but I wonder if, mm. if anyone heard the Tom Wood interview yeah, with BBC Northampton after the game, it was brutally honest and fantastic yeah. to hear and, and showed what, what a leader Tom Wood can be but for Dorian West to say there's a real buzz around the squad and that for Tom Wood to completely undermine what he's saying shows quite possibly I'm only speculating a massive disconnect between yeah. the coaching staff and the players I, I think the problem might be with Dorian West that personally I, and also Tom Wood coming off I mean is he mouthing are you sure you want to keep Jamie Gibson on on, uh, uh, on the field? I mean, is Jamie Gibson still on? Was it Tamona Harrison on by that time? Tamona Harrison yeah. had come on for... Louis um, Pickamol. Pickamol. Yeah, yeah, that's so right. Gibson was still on. So no, it's just a disaster. Tom Wood is one of the few people who's actually coming out of Northampton with any credit at the moment. I mean, his performances for England has been very good. His performance against Leinster was excellent. And he, he clearly cares deeply. That that interview that you referenced him with BBC Northampton, he really cares. He He's hurt by what's going on and upset. Yeah, well, um, it does seem like Tom Ward has a bit of a history of honest interviews. Do you remember the interview he gave after the England World Cup exit? And he's vilified for saying... Well, they said they they said that he stabbed Rob Shaw in the back, but actually all he really said is, "Yeah, I'd love to be England captain." Oh yeah, you know. So he does. Yeah. Oh yeah, he doesn't mind going to press, does he? And speaking candidly when others might not. Yeah, that was actually really good. Yeah, he he was stabbed in the back a bit on that one. Yeah, was a good interview. And you know, if he, I don't know, maybe he's been misrepresented on both, but he might have thrown. Rob Shaw under the bus a tiny bit, maybe. No, I don't maybe. think. Maybe I don't think he did. Well, that's how how, it, how it's portrayed. It was, but I don't think there's any uh, there's any doubt about it. He is saying that Northampton are not happy. Yeah, and that does point to the coaches. Yes. So mm. well, uh, well, we'll wait and see if. Well, just Jim Mallander needs to uh, hire some assistant coaches that so he can fire them. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. A lot, lots of sacrificial coaches. Oh, and by the way, landing spot for Dylan Hartley. Any ideas? I've got an idea. 
Uh, somewhere in France. Whitman, I'm thinking stay in the... Well, no, because he loves being England captain. England captain, yeah. That, that means more to him, I'd say, than anything else at the moment. Well, it means £22,000 per match. Yeah, it means... <laughs> just, he could just be a professional, just, a, just an England player. <laughs> if only there was an angry hooker who's a director of rugby somewhere that could take him on and rehabilitate him. <laughs> <laughs> any, any ideas? <laughs> There's a couple well, of angry hookers. Would that, be, would that be the team with the best hands in the Premiership, the best ball in hands team in the Premiership? The Avicii Premiership. Well, it might be the team with the England fly half and the England captain next year. I'm not saying. <laughs> I'm not saying. I'm just saying it could be. Oh, on that on that George Ford situation, did you see the brilliant quote from Todd Blackadder? No. no. Go on. Oh, this is so good. Let me read the the quote um, as he said it and as it's written down. So he was asked a question about George Ford and Todd Blackadder, you know, trying to play it with a straight bat, said, and I quote, I just want him to really enjoy his la... If it's going to be his last year at Bath, I want him to enjoy the environment. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. Oh, God. Whoopsie daisy. I kind of thought he must really, really hate the higher-ups at Bath. Because Todd Blackadder seems like such a decent chap. Oh, I've got a man crush on the guy. He's amazing. Yeah, I just yeah. Sort of thought he, maybe he might be able to turn it around and say, OK, stay here for a little longer. But obviously, must be Bruce Craig and what's his name? Um, John T. Uh, Hartley Smith or whoever the hell. Runs up. <laughs> what's the guy called with a very posh, posh name right at the top of the club? He's got a oh, ridiculous d- name. I can't remember. Bartholomew, Bartholomew Rupert Huntingdon or something. <laughs> It, it's uh, as soon as you work out his name, it's ridiculously posh. <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about. Uh, but... find, find the name of the Bath CEO. Okay, Bath. Wallington Hungerford. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. Uh, well, Can, what, we, sh- what if we? Sorry, go on. on. I was going to say, just like Pat Lamb, we should we we should move on, and maybe we should yeah. move on to Pat Lamb. Well, well, yes. Can we do that briefly? But I've yes, just noticed, and this is I just I I, I would like to use this podcast to push one little thing that I'm personally very, very passionate about. And God, I'm not going to go on about empathy for ages. I'm not going to talk oh, about no. poor refereeing decisions and dissect them all. Here I'm going to go. talk very, very generally. Um, and and just say, I think we... Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do this very quickly and, sh- and in a short way and succinctly and not try and sound preachy. However, and I don't want to throw Irish... You're sounding preachy. You're sounding preachy. Just, just go for it. Say right. it. One, one. People aren't just aren't behaving how I think rugby should behave. Mm-hmm. Um, the the massively overblown reaction to a tackle on Robbie Henshaw by the Irish press, journalists, podcasters, and some fans was was the first um, little hint at it. But do you know what? One of the headlines from the Independent in Ireland. Right, mm-hmm. so quite a reasoned, uh, quite a reasoned bunch of journalists, you would think. The the headline or the or the line here: Dylan Hartley's first instinct is to bite, gouge, or hit high, and he deserves a career-ending ban. Um, His first instinct. Wow. His first instinct is, is is to do that. I mean, I'd said maybe third or fourth, but his <laughs> <Yeah>. first. <laughs> so wow. I just want. And what I situation want... is that? Arriving at a christening or? You know, and, it's and, a ridiculous and, quote. But <laughs> here's the other thing, and this is what it links into. The World Rugby are massively culpable here. 
because they have engendered this culture where we have this checklist style of refereeing with letter of the law. And it's because, and I think this is from the ground up, not from the top down. This is because we have this Twitter sphere of rugby where people are going way overblown and saying, you know, thug, get him off, red card. We want, anyway, if people have been demanding we follow letter of the law, then you have contributed to what we are seeing now. Well, and we need a little bit more common sense. We need a little bit more rugby values. We need a little bit more of the spirit of the game. And Kirtley Beale's yellow card, Manu Tuolangi's yellow card, and various other decisions like that that are happening are absolutely because of this football-esque approach that people around the game, world rugby and fans, are taking. And we just need to chill out and be more like rugby. Let That's me it. let me put, put your mind, mind at ease. The... Dylan Hartley red card is a red card. The two yellows were yellows. I understand why, why, why they are. I don't agree with it. But we were what? No, uh, we, no, no, no. They were because less, of, le- less, less of the law, etc., etc. Okay, they reviewed it. That's how it is. But we will. But we. But we will look back at this period of time as an absolute farce. And it will self-correct because you can't play the game game like this. You can't. I play, don't think it will self-correct. It, it will. It, it absolutely will because otherwise the, the, there won't be a game because it'll be people, impossible. People would have said this about football 15, 20 years ago. Uh, yeah, yeah, but it, it isn't football. Don't. I'm saying, don't worry yourself about it. It will correct itself because uh, it, I think it's complacent. I, I, I'm probably somewhere in the middle. No, I, I, as, as <laughs> no, usual, as usual. Sit, sit down, Tim. <laughs> um, I, I don't think that there is a huge failing uh, in the way that the laws are being made and handled. I actually think those two decisions you referred to, the Manny Tuolagi and the Curtly Beal, the referees just got it wrong. It's, it's wrong application of the law and, and mistakes. So the Manu, the referee referred to, uh, he didn't wrap his arms. He did wrap his arms. Look, he... he he the, attempted the game, to wrap his arm. The game it, it is was a correct, the game correct, ref, incorrect is a, refereeing decision. The game is administered by people that love the game, right? They they do genuinely love the game, and they're all, you know they're all old boys from a bygone era where you know shots were high and, and all the rest of it. When they review the footage of both those yellow cards, you know maybe at the end of the season or whenever it is that they review the laws, they'll look at that and say that is a farce. And like you rightly said, that is not how the law w- was intended to work. And that's all it'll be. It will look back at this as just a minor, a minor blip. And ordinarily, I, I've actually come round to Phil's way of looking at things, which is it's a coaching point. I, I, I do get that's, in, on that's, reflection. That's my point exactly. of view. <laughs> that's, that's, no, okay. I... <laughs> I, on reflection, looking back over some of the decisions we've discussed in the past, I do get what you're talking about. The Curtly Beal one, oh. Curtly Beal's debut, for example. There is no coaching point there because there is no. nothing yes, that a player same can with, learn. Like, yeah. like Adam Thompson. Yeah. The only coaching point is let the try in. No, yeah. The, yeah, the, yeah, the exactly. Kirtley Beal one is, is crazy. Yeah. Uh, as, as is the Manu in my, my mind. Yeah. What I did, did either of you see the Exeter Bordeaux game? A, I saw the first half of it. Snippets. Dread is a dreadful game in, in terrible conditions. Both teams just continually knocking on. But Nigel Owens was refereeing, and there were a few high tackles. But nothing, nothing dangerous, nothing malicious. Just high tackles that people have got in the wrong position. And he actually got both captains over when there'd been three of them. And he said, "Listen, there've been three high tackles. Uh, they've not been too dangerous, not been too malicious. However, if it continues, I'm going to referee it differently. Something else will happen. Oh my word! Get your boys to tackle lower. 
which is go back goes back to the coaching point. Oh yes, it was it was exactly how it should be refereed. So if World Rugby, if whoever's setting the laws, have been watching this week's Champions Cup action, just look at Nigel. Mm. There you go. Yep. What would Nigel and don't, do? Uh, well, and look at Pascal Pape and actually oh. retrospectively, oh. but he's French. Ban, ban the hell out of that fella. <laughs> no, fine. The French. That's what like, they like, like they did with Huger's massive stamp on the face. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. What, what would oh. the game be without villains? You know, <laughs> maybe you need it. Maybe Huger. Uge should get a long ban. Pascal Paffy should get whatever, he, whatever ban. He get ridiculed. Whatever ban Hartley gets for his swinging arm high shot. Uh, Pascal Papi should get double the ban for it. For no, him. I agree with JB. It should be like mandatory at every game. Pascal Papi, but instead of banning him from playing, maybe it should just be just before kickoff in any game he plays, maybe till the end of the season. There is that incident who does played, pa- but with like clown sound effects and canned <laughs> yeah. laughter who on does, the screen. Who does Papi or whatever his name is play for? Stade Français. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Stuff on say. Right, simple, isn't it? Exactly as Tim, Tim says. When they're announcing the team or, you know, the pregame, on the big Titantron thing, the big screen, you just have loads and loads of highlight reels or low-light low light reels. And this should be passed around. In fact... In fact, I'll go, go go on further. There should be like a uh, a low light reel of all the people that do these stupid things, and it should be issued to every club with yeah. a big screen, and that's what should be put up before every game. Yeah, and it I should love be continually, it. I love it. continually ridiculed. That and they should make get, that fans yeah. would find that really entertaining, but also it would then you would be desperate for one of your players not to be up. Oh yeah, it, no, would no. Really, it would really hurt if it was one of your players on that little oh, reel. I and, like it. And the players would be desperate, and then maybe Premier Rugby makes some gifts, uh, put, uh, put, <laughs> put, put, put those via Twitter. It'd be perfect. Yeah. There we go. Sold. I like it. That, that's how you deal with that. Patlam? From coaching points to coaches. Yeah, let's go. Okay. Uh, so, reported figure, Patlam is moving to Bristol for 750k. £750,000 per year. Moving from next season, which I thought was interesting. Moving from next season. So, reading between the lines, what is this telling us other than he's going to get paid an awful lot of money? Um, well, so there's a, a few things. So, Bristol need to survive this season, really. Yeah. They've spent way too long in the championship, uh, and they need, they need to be uh, in the premiership for lots of reasons, not least of all... 
because of the TV money. Yeah. The TV money in the Pro Ship is massive. The TV, the drop off is enormous for going down to the Championship. Um, so it surprises me a little bit that it's next season. Um, but it it kind of there's something that uh, people have said, and a few people on Twitter have been arguing that the fact that it is next season uh, and the fact that it's such a big deal and the fact that Pat Lam has accepted it suggests that there might be some more talk of ring fencing. Yeah, but I think Pat Lam would go and coach did uh, uh, Talk H for 750k a year. <laughs> but can Bristol pay it if they're down? And oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, point? Well, they They've get, got Steve Lansdowne, parachute. You get parachute payments. And the, well, no, no, no. You get Steve Lansdowne. I mean, he... Well, yeah. He's a multi-millionaire multi slash billionaire. It's, it, yeah, the, the money's fine. Well, this was the, one of the farcical things is Bristol in all of the years they were down in the championship and not back in the premiership, they were, for years, until they sold their premiership credits to Exeter, I think. Is that what they, they did? Uh, yeah. And then you mean premiership um, equity? Equity, yeah. yeah. They, they, they sold it to Exeter because if you don't get back to the premiership within a certain period, you kind of, you have to sell it, I, I think. So that. anyway... So that's why Exeter that that that's what made Exeter's performance in their first few years in the Premiership so incredible because they were doing it at a massive financial disadvantage, and yeah. Bristol were in the Championship with all that cash losing yeah. to London Welsh. So have they been able to buy their equity back yet? Well, they'll get some back, but just by being in the Premiership. But they'll get a parachute payment off the back. But as you said, they've got Steve Lansdowne. I think it does it does demonstrate that I think the the Bristol bosses Steve Lansdowne have almost written just like just drawn a line under the Andy Robinson era and or I, I would have thought they would have made more of an effort to have survived this season having worked true. for so long to get here yeah well I kind of disagree with you there I think that they're in a fairly good position yeah they've not won a game but were they four points off Exeter uh, Exeter uh, Worcester I mean, they're not far away. I think they're about they maybe one... They play Sale and Worcester. Well, Worcester on Boxing Day. I'm working at that game. That'll be an absolute yeah. belter. Yeah, so, that will you know, be. And they've not got a bad squad. I mean, I know we, was, I know we say they've got well, a bad I squad think now. That, I think they do. Yeah, well, hang on a minute. When they were on the way up, everyone's saying, oh, they're the most premiership-ready team that have come up for a long time. And then they get here, and they're like, oh, actually, we changed our mind. Uh, no, we... they're all right. They're, they're all right. And they're I think all right, with yeah. A cha- I mean... Everyone that you speak to thinks very, very highly of Mark, of Mark Bakewell. Uh, they've changed the coach, and it has had a bit Tainton. of an impact. Yeah, whoever he is. I mean, whoever he, yeah. <laughs> whoever he is. No, no, Mark Bakewell's the forwards coach. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, Tainton, or Reedford, or whatever I call him most weeks, um, <laughs> was a kicking coach at Wasps. But whatever he was, has come in, and has made a bit, made a bit of a difference. So I don't think they're a many miles away. And they get just one win against Worcester. And they only need to maybe pick up one or two more, and they're safe. It isn't. It isn't that far away. I don't know. I, I think they'll need more than that because mm. Worcester, when they get Teal and Who Hard back, they are a very different team. Yeah, and they got uh, compensation for Who Hard this week. Oh, uh, did they? Yeah, they're negotiating because they sent away their scrum half with no injuries, and he came back without without a shoulder. <laughs> so they are entitled to compensation from the South African Union. But yeah, their squad. We we spoke about it in pre-season. Um, I, particularly on their signings, we were less than impressed with their signings. Yeah, and they've got a lot of kind of uh, journeymen. Thir- yeah, and thirty-something past it 
former internationals who were good a few years ago yep. but are now there's massive question marks over whether they've got any perfect any examples the, the prop they signed from Bath probably on huge money Perenisi yeah but he was a good prop like yeah four yeah, seasons ago yeah. three seasons ago yeah, yeah. he was Ian, he was absolutely Ian Evans he was. Was, a, was a great lock three years ago yeah and he's not even that old I know he's like 31, 32 Jordan Rob Webber Rob Webber was a great hooker now looks very average in a sales shirt whoa 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 he, he's had a broken arm he he, he that guy will get better. Shane Geraghty was eight years ago a p- p- uh, young up and coming talented fly half. Yeah, apparently Shane Geraghty's on no on nobody's speed dial either. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, I'm not not too sure, but the, the money was probably the thing that surprised me most. Actually, just how much they're paying him. Yeah, it's huge. The reported. So I looked into it, in, just in terms of the England position. Because Eddie Jones is apparently the best-paid head coach, uh, international head coach in the world. He's on, on a reported five hundred thousand, half a million per year. So this is fifty percent above that. I would have thought it was more than that. That's the reported figure, and Lancaster, because because Lancaster, the, the actual figure came out um, when uh, he was fired because he had a, the six-year deal and he had, had received the oh, payoff. Six years. He was on. He received a one-year payoff, which was a three hundred eighty thousand pound, which is a one-year salary. Also, Eddie Jones was apparently going to be on two hundred thirty k at the Stormers, so they more than doubled his money to come to the England job. So yeah, that right. th- those are yeah. from from what I can find, those are the genuine well, figures. Well, you have to pay Pat Lamb a lot of money because I think he signed the new deal himself, did he not? Not so long ago. And also, yeah, and managed to convince Bundyaki to hang about, yeah. and then Bundyaki took to Twitter. Basically, to say what the yeah. and then deleted that tweet. Did he delete it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, so the money has to be big because potentially, in fact, I kind of thought that the money meant that there's going to be ring fencing in operation. That's where I what That's, I thought it might mean. I can see the logic, as particularly when it's for next season. But if, that, if they'd paid him that money yeah. to to keep them up and keep that TV, that three, four, five million pounds of BT money every year. I would understand that it's next season. It's it no. just doesn't quite. Now I'm convinced there isn't ring fencing. I'm convinced it's, it's the opposite actually, because I don't think co- the new paradigm for coaches' salary salaries is 750k. I think it's still 250, 300. Yeah. But if you're going to move from being you know, basically a pillar of, you know, West, like Western Ireland, yeah, um, to a championship to a championship club. <laughs> You're going to want not only more money, you're going to want a seriously high premium to do that. Yeah, so that's, maybe. that's why I think the money's so high. But I don't think he would have been without offers to get a club that's going to nope. be in the Premiership well, like Northampton. With, with high pr- probabilities of potentially being able to do well. Like Northampton. Uh, and North, as you mentioned, Northampton. Yeah. I, I, I'm really scratching my head as to why he didn't... Because he was there re- recently meeting with the... Uh, bosses of Northampton because he attended. Excuse me, God, oh, <laughs> he um, <laughs> he attended a uh, Hall of Fame dinner where he was being inducted, which I, and they had a chat with him. So I, I <laughs> can quite imagine someone might have just, how are you doing over there in uh, in Ireland? All the rest of it. I, I don't know. I, I would have thought if Northampton wanted that to happen, they could have made it happen. It's the money then. Money. It's, it's the money. <laughs> If, if I, yeah, Jones do you think Pat Lamb would have gone just for the just for the yes. cash? I, yes. well, I wonder. You, can you imagine them saying, "Would you work under Jim? He'll be like a." Or Dorian's got to stay as the forwards coach. Well, I'm not doing it then. It's, I don't know. 
it's just because he's taking his whole coaching team from Brist- to Bristol. I think. There you go. Then it's the scale of the money, though. It's, it's huge. Because it's life changing. So Malinder. So if Eddie Jones is on half a million, Malinder is probably in the pack with the rest of them, somewhere between two hundred and three hundred k. Yeah. This is double, triple that figure. It's, yeah. It's mm. got to be the scale of the money. Because yeah, he's going to be expected, isn't he, to set up an academy? You know, they'll all be doing. You know, Gaelic high fives or or, or or whatever they're doing at Connacht, they'll have a new culture. I mean, that that's what they need. They need to build from the ground up, and that's why they're going for Pat Lamb. And if it means going down to the Championship for a year whilst they get all their slogans right and that kind of stuff, <laughs> that's what they'll do, and that's why the money's high because it's more We're, than just that. I, I would like to point out, and I don't think we were remotely alone. I think there were probably more people scratching their head over Andy Robinson over the last few years yeah. uh, than, than were thinking they've got the right man. Just what? Just it looks silly now, doesn't it? But, um, it yeah, it does look but, silly but, when go, he's... Go back and listen to our podcast and I'm sure hear general people talking. It was... We, we, we didn't get it. No, especially no. when he failed in how many playoff games? Mm. You know, so, yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, oh well, that's that. Anyway, shall we talk about some other coaches? Because there yeah. have been other co- uh, coaching appointments this week. Yeah, I'm so the most uh, the most underwhelming coaching appointments <laughs> from one of the one of the most interesting in Pat Lamb to one of the most underwhelming. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so this this happened on Wednesday, and I'm really glad we saved it. We didn't mention it on Wednesday. There was night no point, was there? When we had our midweek yeah. domestic pod. No, I, I think we were completely right and vindicated to only talk about things that happened up to and including 8 p.m. last Sunday, and ignore all of the big stories that happened in between exactly then and Wednesday. Right. Look, have a plan and stick to it. 100%. We've always said that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the the Lions coaches, uh, Gatland, who I know you're a massive fan of, Tim. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Howley, who we're all fans of, hmm. and then um, Borthwick, <laughs> good ish. Borth- Borthwick, from what he's done, because he's a, a young coach, uh, from what he's done with Japan and what he's done with England, there is no reason to doubt that in the slightest. Okay, and the last one is Farrell, which is a bit some good and some bad. So we're, they're basically getting the band back together, aren't they? From Four years ago. Uh, is Farrell, Gatland... Who was the attack coach on? Uh, I don't know. It wasn't Howley. No. Yeah, because Howley was with Wales and Japan, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, my, my thought when I heard this was Gatland is so pro-Wales that you can't bear to see them being coached by Howley, even if it's at the expense of the Lions. <laughs> so, uh, to, so took him on tour. It was, no, it was Rob Howley. Was it? Yeah, Gatland, so, Howley, oh, that's Farrell, right. Jenkins as kicking coach, and Graham Roundtree as the fourth. So they've just taken out Roundtree and, and slotted in Borthwick. Right, okay. Yeah, because Gatland, and this isn't a joke, is currently doing things like testing out hotel rooms and stuff. <laughs> he, no, ge- genuinely, that, that's what he's doing. He's making sure, like, apparently his attention to details of these things is, is quite is, is quite good. So yeah. What? No, no. Exactly. I want to see the fillet steaks that, that you're <laughs> going to be serving to my players. Yes, all all thirty of them, obviously. <laughs> yes. I want peppercorn sauce. Get it here now. Yeah. So exactly. That's, that's what Gats is up to. Uh, oh right. So they're all actually getting the whole band back together. Yeah. Oh, I hope. Oh man. So let, let, let's just deal with these. Farrell, I think, is a complete no-brainer. There's not many coaches that can say they've beaten New Zealand. With two different countries. Yeah, fair. True. And he has. And so Yeah, his his work 
with Ireland. There were question marks after the World Cup. Yeah. His work with Ireland has been exemplary. It has been. And so that that that's completely get that. Borthwick, I think, will do a, a really good job. Yeah. Um and it's just Rob Howley. What what I, I just I couldn't believe it. Well, it must be. Yeah. Well, uh, no, I could believe it, sadly, but I yeah. was still, even though we kind of knew it was coming, I was still just couldn't believe it. So, obviously, we know Gregor Townsend couldn't, but the one story that came out there that really concerned me was that the, the story, so it goes, is Gregor Townsend wasn't offered the attack coach role. He was offered to be Rob Howley's assistant That's, attack coach. Yeah, I heard that, which is ludicrous. That is ridiculous. But, but rather than just say, oh, it shouldn't be Rob Howley... Who do we think it should be? Gregor Townsend. Uh, sorry, go on. <laughs> Gregor Townsend. Well, obviously it should be, yeah. Uh, but I, I thought as well as that, uh, do they have to pick people from the national unions? Because would Mark McCall have Ma- thought, done it? Mark McCall is what I was thinking, yeah. Wow. That's an interesting one. Um, yeah, I think they do, actually. I think I think a lot of them have break clauses in their contract in case the Lions come calling. Hmm. I think, but I, I'm not entirely sure. sure. Whereas I don't think clubs have that. So, but sure, surely, just from Saracen's perspective, getting their director of rugby that both that experience in terms of coaching mm. and the exposure to the players and the whole thing. The thing is about Lions, though, and I was told this directly by the, uh, I think I want to call him the CEO or whatever his role is in the Lions. This isn't a professional sports tour, so having a professional director of rugby in charge doesn't really make a lot a lot of sense, particularly if you're in the model of. Uh, McCall, who is all about you know analytics and statistics and the best practice, this is a proper amateur tour, which is why we've got the midweek games, which is why it's so hard, because they cram everything into this tiny, yeah. tiny tour window. And it is like you're on tour, or, or, um, albeit with all the trappings of um, you know professional money, uh, from like 50 years ago. You, you yeah. okay, then I'll, I'll, throw an, I'll throw another name in there then. Uh, someone who I thought, again, if they could go outside the unions... I would I would have liked to have seen someone who I think puts in really good attacking structures and I could see it working quite quickly. Um and, it, and plays with a looseness that, that <laughs> and plays with a kind of looseness and play and puts the focus on player intelligence, which you can get together in a short period of time. Uh coach of our um adult movie fifteen, Les Kiss. Les Kiss wouldn't be a bad one as well. Um, mm, yeah, Les Kiss would be good. Uh, um, the one thing I will say about um, getting someone who's not an, in the national setups is particularly Mark McCall uh, and fingers crossed Les Kiss. Um, Mark McCall will have aspirations that the day before the Lions tour starts, he will be competing in an Aviva Avicii Premiership final. Yes, and two weeks before that, he will be in a European Champions Cup final. So yeah, that's true. That's probably what precludes it. Yeah, and yeah actually, you're right. If you want the best practice of Saracens, you don't necessarily need the head man. Because you have got Farrell, who is of that background, and you have got Borthwick, who is of that background. So it's not a huge a huge problem. Yeah. There are going to be other appointments. You think a kicking coach is going to be uh, signed. I would like that to be... Uh, why? Why would you need a kicking coach to go on a Lions tour? This is ridiculous. Well, I assume you're going to pick guys who can kick and haven't forgotten in the 10 weeks that they're on tour. <laughs> but who's going to run on the tee and just give them a little give motivational it to, chat? You know, auction off and you know give the prize to you know a terminally <laughs> ill child who can run on with a tee. Make, make their year. 
You don't need Neil Jenkins to run on with a bucket of sand. It's probably going to be Neil Jenkins, which, again, is just a bit annoying. But no, um, It should be Johnny Wilkinson. Yeah, that's probably what will happen. Or, or Ronan O'Gara, because he can yeah. act as a kind of auxiliary defence coach. No chance. He's going to stay at Racing, I, I, would, I would suggest. Because if you think it's um, imperative that McCall hangs around for his final... Imagine, uh, imagine Agora. He's pretty much the head, the the head man there now. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and the other the other one that uh, whispers have been heard about. And again, I wonder if this is just part of Gatland's Wales master plan. Ben Ryan being a skills coach. No, he's going to either Scotland or Wales. I thought he was. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, we know we know he's going to. Well, I'd heard he's going to Wales. Yeah. As the skill as the skills coach, or he's, but that's been touted. But then you can imagine with Gatland's loyalty to Wales as you've already highlighted that he perhaps will go well I'll tell you what let's all get to know each other and let's uh, let, you can hone your skills with the Lions when it doesn't really matter I can confirm can... <laughs> I can confirm that that will not happen because they couldn't come to a suitable financial agreement to get to get Ryan on tour I, I believe oh really yeah that, that's that's what I've heard but you know that could be wrong but he's doing really interesting and great things with his profile that winning right. a gold medal I... has gotten because cause he's trying to go round and talk to investors and raise money for a Pacific Island Super Rugby yeah, team. Yeah, great. Um, fine. But, uh, <laughs> right, so, I think Ben Ryan is probably Sorry, give really, him his proper name. Uh, you uh, think... By, Ryan Lyon, Ben Ryan. Uh, Iron Lyon, Ben Ryan. Iron Lyon, Ben Ryan, right, is probably a phenomenal coach. I think if I was to meet him or interview him, I'd be blown away by his intellect by what he does. I, I'm sure that is the case, and I'm sure that most people feel like that also. But I'd also say there are lots of people who are doing club rugby week in, week out, not in the seventh circuit, not doing unpaid roles in Fiji, but actually you know, at the coalface doing really important 15s work. And it baffles me that they would go with Ben Ryan over all of these people who, in my mind, are infinitely more qualified just because of what they do day to day. I mean, but when has last time Ben Ryan had anything to do with a 15s team? Uh, and yet he's going to, to the national to the national setup. I don't think that matters because of exactly what you just highlighted. Maybe. The reason he the reason he was such a successful England sevens head coach and won the gold medal with Fiji is he is an incredibly in, in, intelligent, smart, and I've heard, he, I've heard he's fascinating. Coach. I've heard he's absolutely, absolutely fascinating. To well, I'll, I'll put it this way. Can I tell you just one thing? One yeah. of his mantras, which he, he used to say, um, I've I, 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 I probably not mentioned this, but I was actually coached by Ben Ryan. What, were you? Um, <laughs> when? When? <laughs> his first coaching job when he was uh, head coach at Newbury. Yeah. Um, he, uh, his, 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 one of his mantras you hear being used all the time now, and he always used to say, there's two types of error there are skill errors and there are effort errors and i will never ever bollock you for a skill error mm -hmm. we will work on that i will absolutely come down on you like a ton of bricks if there's ever an effort error you can get up from that ruck you can hit that tackle you can run back to try and chase that tackle and as a result there was this incredible feeling of positivity about how to play rugby because you were, you were never playing inhibited by fear that you were going to drop the ball or yep. if you tried to make a pass it would mess up and and as a result it was enjoyable to play people tried things occasionally it didn't work but a lot of the times it did and he and he's a brilliant 
he was massively big on let's let's just get those skills, basic skills, better and better. Yeah, I get what, that. N- what nation in the home nations do you think could do with someone like that right now? Uh, well, I'd say all the home nations have lots of people like that. I mean, what you're describing... Do you think Wales have someone like that? Absolutely. Really? And they have many um, tens of people like that. And what you're describing, okay, is basically the coaching manual of level of level three or um, RFE rugby. Right. But, I mean, that's it basically... is now. It is now. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, but I'm talking that's... about nineteen, whatever it was, two thousand and three. Yeah, and, and I'm sure he, ha- he 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 has progressed. I, I've not. I just think he should take a job at a club and work on his fifteens that way, rather than go to the absolute pe- pinnacle of the 15s game immediately because he won a gold medal with the best sevens team on think, the planet. Uh, I don't think be... being a skills coach is the pinnacle. I think the skills coach is someone who puts out a few cones, does a few drills and has a has an influence I mean, in that way. If you look at, the, uh, there's a skills coach in um, Connick, Dave, uh, Dave Ellis, who, you know, they, they, they all do this, do, do, do this stuff now. And what you're, what you're saying sounds very, very familiar. He might, he may have, he may have even kicked it off, but I just think you need to be in a 15s environment before you go to the very highest level of the 15s right. game. But well, well, maybe we I'm wrong. See. Maybe I'm wrong because see. they take coaches from all over the world, don't they now? Just Different one thing. Do you, know, you, do you know you use the phrase about the Lions, it's a proper amateur tour? Yes. And I want really to is. throw in a bit, a bit of a curveball thought that I think a lot of people might have an issue with, but I genuinely believe in. How about the the Lions? Because it is a proper amateur tour, albeit with all the corporate money and the massive TV rights and all the rest of it, Mm. at at its heart, it's a proper amateur tour. Um, And the sort of last part of that that part of rugby. Mm -hmm. What about we put the Lion, we put some principles over even winning, if that's what it comes down to. So, so for example, someone someone who played incredibly... Uh, at the weekend, CJ Stander yep. can't, and Nathan Hughes can't go with the Lions because it. I think it. I think it lessens that shirt slightly. No, absolutely when, wrong. If anything, they're more likely to go because you, if I'm if I'm right, you don't. And I'm not in. I'm not entirely sure. You definitely. What you definitely need to be qualified for. It's it's not as strict. So like, um, do you remember? How, oh, what's his name? Shane Howarth. He uh, he played for Wales. Yeah, okay. fullback. Yeah, he wasn't allowed to go on the line. Uh, he wasn't allowed to play for Wales anymore because it turns out he wasn't Welsh qualified after all. In fact, he, uh, in fact, his grandmother was English. So because of that, the Lions still offered him to come. The, the, okay, the, yeah, yeah. So the actual, I do, I think actually, the, that's not really what I'm saying, though. No, you're not saying that. So I no. know why I mentioned that as a fact. But uh, <laughs> I just don't think. No, I, I don't like that even, even slightly. So. No, no, I don't like it. If you if you play so, for a home nation, you you can go on tour. Yeah, well, yeah. All all I'm saying is if well, CJ Stander has did not grow up thinking the pinnacle of my rugby career, what I'm dreaming of well, as a schoolboy, what what I'm working so hard for is to maybe one day be a British and Irish lion. No, uh, he wasn't. He he's he's thought that in the last year. When he's gone, oh, I might. I'm oh, look at me. I'm qualified for Ireland now. I can. Well, play, oh, hang on, hang on. He's been getting rugby. qualified for for Ireland for three years. So. Well, okay. Well, you, you take my point. I, I Nathan do. Hughes, then. I do, and I thoroughly, thoroughly disagree with it. Um, I would say, if you want, what do you think? Oh, sorry. Well, I think if you want a set of principles for the Lions, there should be principles like no keys, no keys on tour. I think that that, that that's absolutely an absolutely great one. Um, no keys. Have you not heard this story? No. It was one of the old um, Lions tours rules. So when you go on tour, you're not allowed to use any keys. Just just have a think about the consequences here. 
so you can't drive? No. Um, hotel doors open. <laughs> hotel yeah. doors open, or you basically make make them open. <laughs> <laughs> How could you possibly make this door open? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not allowed to use keys, mate. The fucking rules. Oh, sorry, excuse me. <laughs> rules. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll edit that out. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I, th- I think those are more Tory, Tory things. Although, yeah. do you know what I don't like on tour is the youngest player has to carry that stupid line. <laughs> I quite like that. They, sh- they should bin that. <laughs> so there you go. Um, I, what do you think, Phil? I'm okay with it um, completely. I, I think it's particularly because you've got it for the for the home nations anyway. You've already got the three year qualifying. I think you're in danger of kind of. I don't expect it would happen for a moment. It's, I know. No, it's a, no, yeah. I don't. It won't happen. But you, you're just in danger of kind of identifying and segregating, and, and it's. I don't. I just don't oh. like it. It's not an inclusive. What's uh, happened? I've become the. I've become the unpc one of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. What's yeah. going on? Stitchy Daily Mail, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. No, I'm not happy about it. Um, I, I'm all for players playing if they've done the residency, and I think residency should be shorter, not um, uh, not longer, because it's a professional what? sport. What? Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, um, well, we, we've done that before. We've done that yeah, before. we have done that before. You're a yeah. madman, but fine. So, um, oh, Jamie Garrigan's just tweeted, sorry, uh, has tweeted us, at Rugby Podcast, and <laughs> this is good. We were talking about Bristol. He said, Bristol beat Pau, who beat Claremont last week. <laughs> you know the rest. Oh, well, I'm glad you mentioned that, because I can talk about... By the way, it's a working title, but the JB Cup. <laughs> Not the Beardmore Bowl. I was going to go with the Beardmore Bowl, but JB Cup for now. Beardmore Bowl or the... I don't know. Um, yeah, Beardmore Bowl. Beardmore Bowl, but still... I quite like the Beardmore Bowl. It's a working title. Okay. And what is in, this you speak of? Well, it's in the spirit of the, of the Rayburn Shield. Yeah. So the Rayburn Shield, for those of you that don't know, is if you looked at every international match from... When England was it England Scotland the first international match? Uh, back in eighteen something. Let's just say it was. Yeah. Okay. The winner of that got the shield, and then yeah. you, basically it's like a challenge shield, and every match they play, if they lose it, that goes. It's the WWE belt of. Yeah. We talked about yeah. this. We talked about this a long time ago. So I'm kind of um, we were going to do something with this. So I'm not sure about the the Beardmore part. I'm yeah. just putting a little so, asterisk next to. Yeah. So <laughs> so that is the Raven Shield. Current holders were Ireland. It's now All Blacks again. Yeah. So All Blacks have had it for God knows how long. But yeah. when Ireland beat the All Blacks, they put an end to their um, their long their longest winning streak. Yeah. So the current longest winning streak tier is one winning. tier one winning streak. Yeah. Is England. For which they get the JB Cup, and the JB Cup will go to whoever has the longest active winning streak in At Tier the One. the time, yeah. Ah, okay. It's got to be. I'm just, uh, there's got to be a better name than this. Oh, yeah, I like the name. <laughs> there's got to be some pun we can have with the word longest. No, I'm pretty sure I like that name. Like the uh, um, the Dirk Diggler Cup. No, no. I'm pretty pretty confident the JB Cup is where it should be. Uh, well, we, can, we can punt out for a suggestion yes. for, the, uh, for, for the name. But the hashtag has to be JB Cup, you understand. I need to have some kind of recognition for this. <laughs> so if you want to name our cup or shield or spoon or any other kitchen u- uh, u- uh, utensil, the pan. Why don't they offer pans as a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> spoons and bowls are fine. And vases. Yeah, shield, vases, yeah. shields. Yeah. Tray trays are very similar shapes to shields. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure there are some trays. 
some decorative trays that they give out. So anyway. and that would make it more. That would make it. You'd be more motivated to not win that and to try and win the cup if it was a tray. Yeah, yeah. like the beer tray. And I might even because the Rayburn Shield is ran online. It's like a virtual thing. There's yep. a little uh, website for it. Go, go, go visit it. Um, so. If we can get a reasonable name, I'm going to approach these guys and say, "Can we have the JB Cup or whatever the new name is? It name of it is so something to do with the longest." Like, are you thinking what I'm thinking, Luke Charteris? Luke Charteris Cup. Yeah, <laughs> the Charteris <laughs> uh, Championship. Yeah. Anyway, we'll work it out. Mm. Uh, yeah. So that is okay. Um, so behind England, then, if England lose their next match, I assume it'd be Ireland, but I don't know. No, because Ireland they, lost. They've got a two-game. Yeah, streak. I don't. I, the answer is I don't know. It's good. It's whoever it is is going to be very short. Yeah. Because. Yeah. So um, I, I think it's a reasonable idea. I don't think anyone's got longer than about, about a three-game streak. Uh, try to think who it is. Yeah, I think we might. We might. Yeah, in, in sort of. I reckon what will happen is in about fifteen years' time, someone who listens to the podcast now will. Will yeah. write us whatever the social media platform is at that time. Probably telepathically, just send us a message saying, In 20... "Boys, I know you're not doing it anymore, yeah. but someone's finally actually won the JB Cup." <laughs> yeah, on, on Wikipedia it'll say something like, uh, "The Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, famed for the uh, for the mass knife murder of all three members after a fallout. <laughs> uh, only, only, only remaining achievement." Is the JB Cup or whatever it's called? <laughs> like that will be the Wikipedia entry. Currently, France who have a two-game winning streak after a the, vicious, w- yeah. the worst. Tr- after a vicious knife fight, no <laughs> members were left. <laughs> um, yes. I don't know if this one's worth following though, because of that reason. It's going to be. It's going to be have to be. Even if someone with a three-game winning streak now, it's still going to be another year minimum until they're. Yeah, but the beauty of it is, Tim. We don't need to administer this. We'll find someone. To administer it for us, and then and then it's away. So we don't uh, need to worry about it again. But we have a shield or a cup named after this podcast, and that's more important. Named after you. That's the most important <laughs> thing that you want to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think I, either or. Um, uh, we we did we hmm. did come up with we did ages and ages ago come up with an idea to try and do something along the lines of the Rayburn Shield, but from a from a different perspective. And I think we even yeah, punted Jay, out some ideas. And Jay they never Cup. did anything with it. And then mysteriously, it's like us, isn't an, it? An, another, very, another podcast who quite often exhibit very similar traits to the things that, that, that we do, then started doing something along that line. So um, mm. we better get in there and do, do one of our own before someone else nicks that as well. Yeah. We, 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 are, we are often mimicked, never bettered. Exactly yeah. right. Uh, Imitation is the most sincere flaw, form of flattery. Exactly, I agree. Um, can I just make? Can I just mention a couple of people this week? Uh, first person I'd like to mention is Peter Hayward Shaw, who has donated this wonderful book, which he's actually done himself. That uh, that uh, there we go. What is it, Jay? He, he it sounds is. like he should be an army general. Peter Hayward Shaw, Major Peter Hayward Shaw, uh, yeah. the, the passion of the scrum, life lessons in rugby. This gentleman is from uh, is from America and is basically uh, a pioneer of the game out there. So thank you very much. And is that like, going... is that meant to be like the passion of the Christ, but the passion of the scrum? Oh, I never even thought of that. Maybe I'm not. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I like it. So that will be going in. Rug- rugby's our religion. In the book corner, uh, and the other thing I was going to mention as well is a rugby league game. Am I allowed to mention rugby league very, very, very quickly? We mentioned it a bit last week with Charlie and. Uh... 
Denny Solomona. It better be interesting and like and relevant and not just uh, a blag or JB. As long as that's the case, that's fine. Crack, well, carry on. It kind of is and it kind of isn't. But we've, we've been invited to a dinner in yeah, London. Yeah, I'm, I was, I'm only joshing, right. mate. No, it definitely deserves a mention. It's, For, it's, it seems like a really good crack. So much so we're going along. Uh, well, I think well one of us will probably go. Probably you because you're in London. But Wigan Warriors are playing the London uh, are playing the London Scholars in the in I want to say Royal Artillery, which is somewhere in somewhere in the in the actual city of London. But the reason it's important is because London Scholars are going to be the first team to play against the new Toronto team. Ah, yeah. So they're doing this dinner and you know ra- ra- like ra- um, raising awareness, and then the Scholars will be hosting God knows who the Toronto team. Let's call them the Toronto. Tornadoes, Toronto tornadoes, or whoever it is. But the in- the real interesting bit is if they end up in the same half of the league when the league splits, there'll be a return match to Toronto, and that's what I've got my eye on. What? Oh, wow. that's interesting. Yeah, that, that that that's my away day for for for, ne- uh, for next year after we sort out Romania. Yes. Okay. Shall we do next week's games before we wrap this up? Yes. They're called the Toronto Wolfpack. Of course they are. Oh yeah, that's good. That's a bit. That sounds a bit more more North American. I was thinking the Toronto Mother Ruckers or something might <laughs> might be good in North America. That's good. I like that. Cool. Uh, have you got the fixtures there, or do you want me to get, to get them, Phil? Uh, no, the same as same as this week. So. They are exactly the same. I'm just the getting, reverse. I'm getting yeah. the, the the running order for the fixtures. And I suppose it, it's one of those week. It's one of those weeks, uh, guys and gals, where apologise if your team didn't get massive amount of talk up. It's just the nature of the beast. So yeah. much any, amazing rugby to talk about. Any Zebra fans, we didn't uh, talk about you getting beaten by hey, t- Toulouse. No sale chat. No Saracens chat. We'd not, oh, we God. Talk about, oh, we, we, we do you talk want to briefly about. talk about Sale um, and defend the statement they are the best team with ball in hand? Uh, well, I have not seen the game yet. I've not seen the highlights. So when I've seen the highlights, <laughs> I will talk about you. There's do, do you three, think it... three points in the attack column yeah. in, in the points four column JB do you think do you think that those highlights in a 50 points to three defeat are going to show you anything that confirms your, I, look, your suspicions look, look, look. I, I don't talk in just general speculation and you know uh, <laughs> I, 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 I'm not going to speculate until I see the game tape I'll look at it I'll review it and I'll tell you what, what the what the video shows other than that I can't, I can't I'm uh, you, are you, are you, well I, do you know what's I'm, weird? I'm maybe not... willing you guys to come along to the to the sale Saracens game at the AJ Bell Stadium because I I I'm worried about what the attendance might be on a Sunday evening, five thirty PM kickoff. But I am working there, so you I'll, I'll come along and hang out with me in the tunnel. I will Ooh. definitely be going. Um five thirty on Sunday at in sale. Perfect. Ooh. I can't think of anywhere I'd rather be. Um yeah. The, the weird thing about this sale game, right? Looking at looking at the team well, it was pretty much the strongest sale team that they could have. I looked at it and thought, oh, okay, finally, things are, lo- th- things are looking up. Except for an academy scrum half. Well, Mi- yeah, Mitchell's. He's not academy, but, you know, he's not far from it. I... He, he's certainly not got uh, 100 international caps. He's, yeah, he's certainly not the lion, which I've got on the bench. Yeah. Uh, now, it, it turns out it probably wouldn't, meant, wouldn't matter <laughs> if Mike Phillips was playing or not. I don't think there's 50 points difference in playing Mike, in playing Mike Phillips. But uh, I just thought it was a very peculiar move, and I don't know what they're going to do from do from now because, you know, sometimes you get into habits, and losing is definitely definitely a, a habit as much as it is a cliche. And they've had Toulon, they've had Exeter, they've had Saracens before, and they've got two back to back against Saracens, and then they've got Northampton. 
So it, it might feel a lot worse than it actually is in terms of league in, in league league positions, which is what their main it, it, objective. It is. may do, but equally, I think there's. I don't know. I'm just trying. I'm just speculating here. I believe I'm right in saying that Steve Diamond, uh, whilst he fulfilled his television commitments, which he's he, he has to do um, by the code of the, the clubs they all sign up to, mm-hmm. he. He and, interestingly, the only other person that I'm aware of this weekend that didn't um, go and speak to the press, yeah, he swerved the going and talking to the press in the sale pre- in the press room. Steve Diamond and Jim Malander were the two people that didn't talk to the press. Oh, they didn't even go in the press room. Mm. No. Wow. Oh well, I Which, think. Which quite, I think that I mean it might only be a small thing, but it it seems significant. Yeah. Hmm. If a Malander more so than Diamond, I mean, I imagine that's fairly standard Diamond fare when it, you know, really, 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 really goes badly because that's the kind of guy he is. Malander's a lot, a lot more measured, mind you. Steve Diamond and Malander, almost like identical, back, identical backgrounds, work um, and work together. Hmm. Who knows? Interesting. 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 So mm. next week, yes. Pictures. Obviously, they're reversed, but with time and dates and stuff like that. So Friday. Friday night, Scottstown Lights, Glasgow host Racing. Mm-hmm. This is a hell of a grudge match for, wow. for Racing, particularly. Give me Glasgow. I mean, oh, me too. Me too. If they can do yeah. it, if they can do it in Paris, they will do it in Glasgow. They're going to be angry though, Racing. But yeah, yeah, Glasgow. Then Saturday, the first game, one o'clock kickoff is Bordeaux Exeter, um, and Bordeaux with that win, they do keep their hopes alive um, Exeter you'd have to say are, are out of it now they were probably out of it after the last game anyway but yes. yeah they're definitely out of it now yeah definitely so Bordeaux I guess yeah then 3.15 we've got two games we've got Toulouse versus Zebra. do you know that the that game was called off after 63 minutes as well yeah, yeah. Timpot for fog <laughs> but, but yeah it'd gone past 60 so the game stood yeah yeah yeah, only Zebra won. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, cares about that. yeah, that that yeah. doesn't really matter. But no. Leicester Trevi- Treviso did win, mind you, in uh, in Italy's um, talking Italy. Oh right. Um, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Leicester Munster. Yes. Oof. Now, Leicester, they're a, they've won one from three, but they've lost lost their. They're not theoretically out of it. No. Because you expect to lose your away games. If you can win one away game, you're doing all right. Mm. So they've still got one away game to come. If they yeah. win their home games, they're still in it. With that said, there was virtually nothing from that performance on Saturday that w- would lead me to believe that they have the capability of being monster. Yeah. Who do they bring in? Who is going to be the game changer here to bring in... Um, and turn this around. Don't know. Man who gets another week of fitness back under his belt. That's a good thing. Presumably. He didn't. He didn't do anything in that game. I'll tell you no. what. Oh, one thing I saw Manu do. The, the best bit of performance I saw from the whole day was in Shannon Airport, and <laughs> I was still having a, a meal. I was sat having a meal with some of the guys from BT Sport as we were heading back to Stansted. Which guys, Tim? Come uh, on, come. On. <laughs> um, uh, well, in, in terms of the people that. People that people know, Austin Healy was having a meal, but then there was a bunch of the production team. Mm-hmm. 
um, Connor and Sam and John, one of the producers, and Becky, uh, loads of anyway. There's, there's a bunch of people. We were all sat having a meal, and the Leicester team walked in. Uh, the, the, the plane had been held, and you can imagine a load of uh, people who are trying to get back to Birmingham were really happy that they just had to wait for Leicester. And even though the it, the plane was already late, Manitoulangi and some of the Leicester uh, Manitoulangi and Mullapola, um just got a quick Guinness. Fair enough, they've played a game. I've honestly Manitoulangi's pint is fast. Wow, <laughs> he saw it off quick. I, he, I think he'd challenge me. No, only one way he's to got, find out. He's, yeah, he's got a rapid pint. Wow, as Manu. So yeah, I'd like to see that race I, too. I, I, actually, I would. No, I'll, I'll tell you that off, um, off the air. Um, <laughs> Connet wasps. Oh, uh, sorry, sorry. It's what, what we think. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think I think Munster will will edge it. Oh, I don't know though, because Munster. I know Munster did win away and uh, have won away in Leicester two years ago. Yeah, do you know what I? Said Leicester would lose to Racing after they got after they got spanked by Glasgow away, and they won. Yeah, they and turned it around. Wilford Road must mean something to someone. Yeah, and oh, yeah. because of that, I mean, I, I, do, I can't see them being able to turn turn over Munster based on the performance. But maybe, maybe didn't didn't Munster win at Ravenhill in the Pro Twelve? They did. So they have shown that they can take take it on the road as well. I'm going to go Munster, but it will be. Obviously, much, much, much I closer. Think, all I'm going to say about this one is, I think Leicester might score some points. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a fairly safe bet. Mm-hmm. Um, give me Munster. Give me Munster. Then we've got the five thirty game, which is Connacht Wasps. Which, again, I, I think Wasps. I think Wasps can can win this. I think Connacht Connacht might, might win. Connacht. Uh, Connacht might win. Of course, they might win. The Connacht will win. But, you think Connacht will? Yeah. It, it's, I mean, it's a good group as well because because they've got zebra in their group. Um, Two can qualify. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, bonus points. This I, unless the conditions are horrendous, I expect this to be quite high scoring. Uh, Leinster, Northampton. What are you going with that last one? I, I'm going to go I'm going wasps, wasps narrowly. Wasps narrowly. Mm, Connacht. Then. Yeah, Le- Leinster Northampton. I think this is going to be a comfortable win for. I'm Leinster. at this game, and it, it's at the Aviva now, which I think they ah. they they will have organised that before they saw how the poll had panned out. Because I think it yeah. probably has it smacks more of an RDS type matchup now, doesn't it? It does. At, it does. Yeah, they're going to get it's at, the, it's at the Aviva, and Leinster will win. They were impressive. I, I think this Northampton game, this this game, will very much define Northampton's season. If they have another shocking result. Yeah, I think it could it's be not over. about the result, really, is it? It's about the Sorry, performance. The performance. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely right. But, but you know, if it's you, another absolute beatdown, yeah, you're quite right. Actually, it, it is more about the performance, um, more than the result. I mean, I don't know how they. Oh, forget it. Just, just on the on the last the game on Friday night, the Leinster Northampton. Did you see Jameson Gibson Park's try? Nope. The second to last try. Uh, maybe I did. I can't remember. Well, it was outstanding. He stepped inside and outside. Went oh down, went, yeah, went down the wing. Uh, so he's, he's a scrum half. Yeah, but was kind of. I don't think he was actually playing on the wing, but he found himself on the wing. The ball came across to him, and he finished beating half a dozen defenders from fifty yards out. Mm-hmm. And it's another example of like Kieran Marmion against the All Blacks, and 
uh, Wales versus England in the World Cup. It's just another example of a scrum half going onto the wing, like Nico Matawalu. Uh, well, Maybe we're building up a bit of a portfolio of uh, scrum halves playing on the wing. Like, um, what's his name? Who uh, Hugard as well. Who, yeah, who, who Austin Healy. Austin Healy, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a... I'm thinking about it, it's going to be a big win for Leinster. Yeah. Scarlet's Toulon? Uh, give me Toulon. Did you see this game? Uh, I didn't. This is just about the only game I missed. Yeah, Scarlet's played a lot of attractive rugby. And they played really well, and they got. There battered. was there was one really good <laughs> bit of uh, officiating with uh, Cobby Boy just getting a real ticking off for um, back chat. Yeah, it's oh, a, really. This good. is. Do you know yeah. we talk about the inconsistency of Ben Youngs? Yeah. Um, well, another guy just like this is Matthew Bastrow. <laughs> Every three years he has one of these games, and I think, oh my god, that's incredible. <laughs> no, what he is so unique when he plays well. I don't think any anyone can match him. But it's just so infrequently, mm. and he was he was unplayable today. Uh, just hand, hand hand in someone's chest, outside break, offload, over and over again. He, he was absolutely outstanding. Outside break? Are you sure? Well, I mean, there's an outside break, isn't there? Like a um, <laughs> a fast outside break, and there's an outside break when you take someone when you put your hand in someone's chest, flatten them, and go around where they previously were on the outside. So it's not like a uh, a Jonathan, Joseph. Jonathan Joseph outside break. It's very different. <laughs> very different. <laughs> did you, speaking of outside breaks, did either of you see the James Shaw no try this weekend? No. He made a brilliant break, uh, outside break, uh, beat the fullback. The number eight came across and tackled him. Was it him. a forward pass? Like no, he, he dotted the, do- the ball down, but as he slid, so he, he grounded it six inches short of the line uh. and then it slid and Nigel Owens and the TMO decided that he'd lost control before it hit the line I actually disagreed with him I think he, he had control just as it hit the line so a try should have been awarded but it was very very impressive by uh, by James Short it was, it was the brief highlight of an otherwise very dull game excellent um yeah, so Toulon, Ulster Claremont, Ulster Claremont, there you go. Talk about that. Um now the, the Claremont cons- at home will win. Yes. And the the concerning the concerning thing for me from this weekend, so I spoke before about all the positive side. But with sixty minutes gone, Ulster were thirty nine eighteen up and we don't quite have the strength in depth that a team like Claremont do. And when they start bringing on their enormous bench forwards, uh, and our forwards start tiring, and we bring on a few replacements, did that we um, struggle? What's his name? Play the Georgian flanker who I love. Uh, I, know, I know. I love him. Um, I'm trying. To, I'm trying maniac. To I'm not sure. Absolutely yeah, maniac. He's a, he's a chaotic player. No, I don't think. He Mani- was, no, he had... it's not. It's maniac in Ashville. That's the one. That's the one. <laughs> no, uh, he had the Fijian number eight, and then. Um, What's the name? The French number eight was playing six. Fritz Lee? Not Fritz Lee. No. Um, French number eight was playing six. Uh, Trolley. Uh, okay. Um, so, yeah. I'd love to say Ulster. But uh, I don't think I can. Not not in Claremont. Oh, give me Claremont. Um, last one. Uh, and the biggest game of the weekend, I'd say. Sale Saracens. 
Yeah. Uh, Closing hours. This is it's all building up to five thirty p.m. Sunday night. This is big. This is big. Um, <laughs> if you <laughs> if you're a fan of Academy Rugby and you want to see what Sale have got in the in their youth ranks, come <laughs> show them at five thirty because you'll see. If you're a fan of the best team with ball in hand who yet struggle to score points, yeah. Do you do you like players such as Sam Bedlow, Tom Curry? Well, get down to the H.A. Bell. James Flynn. James Flynn. Sale, or, Sale didn't help them. Sale did get three yellow cards in this game. I know that. Idiots. So they didn't exactly help themselves. So I'm going to say Saracens won't score 50. That's that's my prediction for this game. They But they won't be too far I off. I think Saracens got a bonus point, probably. Um, yes. Yeah. God knows. Uh, who knows? Does it, no, I it's oh, God, hang on. Can I come to this? Matter. Oh, I can come to this. That's fine. So... Uh, Saracens well I was going to say Saracens are the only unbeaten team they're not so after three games Saracens are the only team who've won three three out of three but Munster are unbeaten because they've only played two games yes that's yep. correct yeah. Uh, yeah it'll be interesting this um, uh, in some ways uh, yeah it's going to be a big big win for Saracens <laughs> and I think this is going to be the last this actually if this might not be competitive because I think I wouldn't be surprised if Sale have already canned it. Do you know how you know points? when um, you know when toys uh, like uh, I don't know toys where like you can pull a ripcord of a teddy fly bear out and, of it, prams. and it uh, sorry <laughs> fly out of prams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know you can pull a ripcord and they and they speak. Yeah. JB's at that point where the battery's running a bit low <laughs> and he's uh, <laughs> just starting to slow down. Yeah. Uh... In, in Europe, Sale. In the three games, do you know how many points they've scored for? Out in three games. Yep. Yeah, look, let's not get into, uh, for, for comparison. Stop it now. For comparison, Saracens have scored 125. Yeah. Washington scored guess, 134. Yeah. You're not comparing. 27. Like <clears throat> I'll tell you, Tim. Zebra have scored 27 in their three games. Sale have scored 19. Oh my word. Yeah. Well, look. It's 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 been a tough run of games, and this is what, look when you're when you qualify for Europe and you're not quite European standard, it is really really tough, and, that, it, it's and certainly... that's where they are. And they seem strikes me they they build their whole season around getting into Europe, so they don't have to play in Europe, which is a, a weird way to be. Because when they get there, they're not interested in, in playing one bit, because again, the focus is a Premiership. And they'll never be successful in Europe because they've got the smallest squad in the in, in the Premiership and one of the smallest wage bills, which is why it's so impressive that they do what they do. <laughs> right. Okay. Bring it back to a positive. I like it. Sure. Yeah. Right. Do you want to uh, finish finish this off, Tim? Well, yeah. I would just like to say what would I like to say? Oh, yeah. I would like to just quickly mention our friends at Fantasy Rugby Draft. Oh, uh, very just, good. Just. FantasyRugbyDraft.com. You need to go and check it out. It's a new way to play fantasy sport. It's more along the lines of the NFL model, where no two teams in your league of your mates, not this big ether league of millions of people, no two people can have the same player, and it completely changes the dynamics. And we love it, and we want it to grow and be successful because we would not want to be without it next season. So support it, get involved. Uh, FantasyRugbyDraft.com, and whilst you're there, make sure your team name has the word Egged because Phil is assembling a massive stash pack um, prize for someone with the name 
oh, some people with the name Egg in their team. So get on board yeah. and do it. And while we're talking about uh, prizes, we're going to get some stash. We should do an end of pod stash tag because do you know what? We need to reward people that have stuck with us for this long. This has been a long pod. And I think it should be along the lines of something to do with Pascal Pape, boys. Whoa, 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 whoa. We've got a hashtag. It, it's, the, it's the JB Cup. To be and, more balls. Yeah. No, and, no, 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 no. It is. It's, <laughs> right. And whoever comes up with the right name, I will no. decide it is the JB Cup. No. Your prize is you'll, you'll live in eternity alongside me. Uh, you know, <laughs> in naming That's this not cup. The, that, I'm not sanctioning that as... Uh, if, if my third of my vote is not sanctioning that as an end of... Oh, come on, Phil. Tag. Come on, Phil. Phil. No. I, I appeal to your, to your, ki- to your kind of nature. If, if it was a great idea for a it trophy... It is a great idea. If, it's a great if, idea. If it was a great idea for a trophy, I would consider it. But It is a great idea for a trophy. I, <laughs> The fact that you can't tell me who the next person... If England lose, you can't tell me who it's going to be. And it's probably going to be a streak of two wins, three wins. Hey, well, that's it, isn't it? <laughs> no, I'm not going for it. I'm I'm with you, Tim. Something along the lines of... Unbelievable. Pascal Papi and his well, acting you know what? career. The people, the, I'm a man of the people, and the people will, people will decide. <laughs> so when they start hashtagging JB Cup, be it on your head. And you won't be... I was going to name this something you know, to do with all three of us, but now I'll just keep it for me. Well, you can hashtag JB Cup if you like, but it won't it won't get you in with a chance of winning some stash. But thank it will you give you a chance the... of being immortal. <laughs> so, th- so thank you for listening uh, to all of this podcast. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, tell your mates, leave a review, but also take to Twitter where you can find us at Rugby Podcast and just give us a message with the hashtag... What should we go with? I mean, I, brainstorming, I thought Pascal Pape plays football. I quite like uh, hashtag and the Oscar goes to Pascal Pape. I hmm. like that. We're getting to what, like the new year, it will be Oscar season, won't it? Yeah. Yeah, let's, let's have that one. So, and the Oscar goes to Pascal Pape. Hashtag and the Oscar goes to Pascal Pape. And if, if you want, do the Beardmore Bowl as well, or G- hashtag if, baby cup. But, but if you do that on its own, you will get nowhere. Yes, exactly. And if you do the JB Bowl as well, it won't get you any more extra credit <laughs> uh, in, in the draw. But you could win some brilliant stash, and we've got good friends at Canterbury, and there's some exciting developments uh, currently rumbling with other uh, kit makers who could furnish you with... Uh, with new stuff, so it's well worth getting involved in this one. Hashtag, and the Oscar goes to Pascal Pape. Let's embarrass him, humiliate that that yeah. man. He deserves it. Wow, strong words. Right, see you next week. Excellent. Top work, top work, boys. Right. Cheers, Tim. Later, right. I'm going to go.